Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Dr. Robert White is the uh, executive director of the George Baptist Convention. 
Georgia Baptist Convention has got about 1.3 million members statewide. So this is kind of the guy in the state of Georgia for the Georgia Baptist Convention. Uh, he's been with the convention since 1993, and uh, we've been trying to get him for a while. He speaks all over the state, as you can imagine, and uh, kind of hard to get him. Uh, but we started talking a while ago, and we realized that this day was free for him, and we invited him to come down. And I asked him if he would to speak on Sunday school. Because we're going to be challenging you guys over the next few weeks to be involved in a Sunday school class somewhere. He's going to give some incredible statistics and challenge our hearts this morning about what Sunday school is and why it's so important. So Dr. White, I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll turn it over to you this morning. Father, I thank you for Dr. White and for his ministry, Father. I pray that you just speak through him this morning in a mighty and powerful way. Lord, I pray you would bring a message to us that we would understand through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray you would challenge us and transform us more into the image of Jesus Christ, your Son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Adam. We appreciate that. It's good to see you all this morning. Good morning, Rosemont. Good to see you. Match McCord. God bless you, my friend. Great to see you again. Thank you for your leadership here at Rosemont over many years. You did a good job raising up Adam over here. It's like being alone family at Rosemont, isn't it? And we're so grateful for you and for uh, your leadership, uh, not only in this community, but across our state and around the world. I'd be remiss if I didn't thank you on behalf of Georgia Baptist and Southern Baptist for your faithfulness, your mission support. Uh, you're a great uh, cooperative program giving church, and you have to understand that those mission gifts that go out from your church uh, go out in support of 10,000 missionary families serving across the world right now. It's amazing. In about 190 countries of the world, you have missionaries this morning. Last year, you were international missionaries, witness to and participating in baptizing right at 400,000 new believers in one year. It's amazing. Planted 29,000 churches on the mission field last year. Isn't that amazing? God is doing great work because of the faithfulness of Rosemont and 45,000 other faithful Southern Baptist churches that are supporting mission work across the world. Thank you for your faithfulness and for what you're doing for the cause of Christ. I want to bring a message this morning as Adam has requested, and, I, and I'm really thankful for the opportunity to do that. Kingdom growth through the Sunday school. I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 17 through 26. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Let's stand together as we all agree in God's word. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before the Lord. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he, Jesus, saw their faith, he said unto him, 
Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? For who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, Arise and take up your bed and go into your house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Indeed they have. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the faithfulness of friends who care about loved ones who are lost in need of healing. I pray, Lord, that we would be friends like that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The woman lived in Oregon. She was timid, quiet, shy, very understated. She lived in a home much like she was on a busy neighborhood street, but a house that you may not particularly notice or recognize. She would often say, I wish I could be like other people in our church. I don't have any special talent. I've never done anything particularly outstanding. Now go across the world and drop below the equator to Papua New Guinea. And there you see a tanned, blonde-headed missionary working among dark-skinned natives of that country, often stooping to go into their thatched huts, often using his helicopter as a pilot fly them to medical care somewhere near their village. Or using his helicopter to fly Bible translators across very thick forested terrain below him and dangerous areas to take translators to translate the Bible into the dialects of the people in New Guinea. An incredible missionary who said one day to a friend, I know I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do. The best place in the world is to be in the center of God's will. His friend said, well, how did you come to be called as a missionary? How did you come to faith in Christ? Well, he said, it's a very interesting story. He said, my brother and I at Halloween were going house to house with our trick-or-treat bags when I was just a boy. <laughs> But there was one lady that did something very unusual. Along with a piece of candy, she put in our bags a card that invited us to her Sunday school. As a result of that, my mama and daddy <laughs> took my brother and me to the church. They said, we went to the Sunday school. 
all got saved. He said, well, what about your family members? He said, well, my brother is a minister of music. And my father is directing choirs in his church. And my mother is writing for Christian publications. And I am a missionary. Jump back across the world of that woman in Oregon who's saying to her pastor, I wish I could be somebody special. I wish I could do something that would make a difference. I just don't think I've got any talents. I can't play the piano. I can't speak. I don't think God's called me to be a missionary across the world. I'm, I'm really way too old for that. The only thing I can remember that I ever did was I put a little card inviting some children to come to our Sunday school one year. It's amazing what God can do through even a slight invitation Come to our Sunday school. Come to our church. Come under the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. Andy Anderson is probably Southern Baptist's most well-known writer regarding Sunday school. He wrote a number of years ago, but the principles that he wrote about are still very true. He said this. He said, the Sunday school is the best place to bring evangelistic prospects and lead them to the Lord. He said, when you enroll or enlist people in Sunday school, half of those people that you enlist, he said, will be lost. That's an interesting statement. That you can bring lost people maybe more freely to your Sunday school class than anywhere else. But Andy Anderson said half of the people that we enlist in Sunday school are lost. And then he said this, one out of every two that we bring to our Sunday school who are lost will be saved and baptized within one year. One out of every two that we bring to our Sunday school who are lost will be saved and baptized in one year. And the fourth thing he said was, of those that we enlist in Sunday school who come to faith in Christ through that experience, their assimilation into the family of God in the church is 100%. I've thought many times that the reason that we are seeing decline, we are seeing decline, not, not just in other denominations, in our wonderful denomination of Southern Baptist, we're, we're seeing decline in worship attendance and growth in membership and baptisms. I think one of the reasons that we're seeing that today is the de-emphasis upon Sunday school. When Southern Baptists were emphasizing Sunday school and when we were experiencing our greatest growth were in those years when we were focusing upon the Sunday school as the way to reach people in the community and introduce them to faith in Jesus Christ and bring them into the family of God. I would encourage you, Rosemont Baptist Church, to make Sunday school a priority emphasis 
of your church. And I want to encourage you as members of Rosemont to invite the people that you know in your office, in your school, in your neighborhood who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ to come and be a part of your Sunday school and introduce them into the family of God through the Sunday school. Jim Slack of the International Mission Board made this statement. He was speaking actually on the subject of church planting when he made this statement. It's also true of growing Sunday schools and churches. Plant multiple units and live or rely on old, large units and die. One of the best things you can do in your Sunday school is to create new units. It's like planting seed. From planting a seed, multiple crops come. I didn't know a whole lot about that until I took my seminary church up in southeast Indiana while I was a student in Southern Seminary. I remember one of the early Sundays that I was there, Leslie Stratton, one of my deacons, said, Pastor Bob, have you and Miss Janice ever had a garden? Well, the answer to that was a plain no, because I was raised in the city, and Janice was raised in, in Miami, Florida area. I'd never lived out in the country. I said, well, Les, we've never had a garden, but I think that'd be something we would enjoy. He said, well, if you'd like, he said, this Ruby and I will be plowing our garden tomorrow. Y'all come out, and we'll plow up a spot for you, if you'd like for us to. I said, well, that would be great. He said, well, come out about 5 o'clock, and we'll show you your garden spot. So we went out there, pulled up in the yard, at the appointed time, we're walking over to where we saw it on the tractor. And there was one of those orange plastic ribbons around a very small piece of ground. I said to my wife, I said, I hope that's not our garden. That's way too small to have a garden. That's embarrassing. Well, I got over there and Les said, Pastor Bob, this is you and Miss Janice's garden. I hope you'll like it. He said, well, I'm sure we will. Sure is small, and I'm just thinking in my mind. He said, Now you want to go up to the feed and seed store and get you some seed. You know what you might want to have out of the garden? I said, Well, we'd love some tomatoes. He said, Oh, don't get tomatoes. He said, We got more than enough tomatoes. We feed them to the hogs. We got so many of them. What else would you like? I said, Well, we'd like some, some green beans. He said, Oh, get you some good pole beans. That'd be great. What else? I said, Well, we like llama beans. He said, That's great. And, we like some squash. He said, oh, that's real interesting. You plant those in the hill. Uh, you get you some squash. That will be fun to watch. What else? Janice said, well, I like okra. He said, what would you say? Southeast Indiana. She said, I like okra. He said, how do you spell that? <laughs> O-K-R-A. He said, I've never heard of that. What do you do with it? I said, well, it grows in a, a pod when it's mature. It's about that long and most people slice it up you can just take the whole pot and pickle it some people do that or you can slice it up the way I like it you slice it up and roll it in some flour or meal and fry it I even like popcorn, I love it or you can stew it and you don't even have to swallow it just get it near your mouth <laughs> <laughs> so that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of we grew okra plants that summer, and people came from all over southeast Indiana to see what okra looked like. 
Janice and I introduced Oprah in Southeast Indiana. Well, you know, we learned something about that little garden. That little tiny garden spot. Janice, the lady taught her how to can beans, and she canned 32 quarts of beans out of that little garden. That little garden spot nearly worked us to death at something. But I learned something. I learned great produce that comes from a single seed. You know, you may be a relatively large Sunday school class, but you might want to think about planting a seed. Taking a seed out of your class and planting another class over here. And just see what God will do as He grows that new unit. It'll become as large as your class. That's just the reality of it. And that's the way you grow a church through a Sunday school, the creation of new units and the natural growth that comes through planting the seed that God blesses. It works every time. And we go to the text and find some very important principles that I think apply to the Sunday school in the local church. When we look at the text, we find that here was a man who had been sick probably for a very long time of a crippling disease. He was lying on a mat, on a pallet, on the ground, probably begging for alms and asking for all kinds of help. He'd never been able to get well. But he had friends. We're going to say four friends because there were four corners to that mat. And each one picked up a corner. Who heard that Jesus was teaching in a house nearby. And they had heard wonderful stories about the healing power of this Nazarene. So the friends talked together and they agreed that they should carry their crippled friend to Jesus and see if Jesus would heal him. So they each got a corner and they went to the house where Jesus was teaching. Just like in the old time revivals, the place was packed out. Love to see that kind of revival again. People were lining the walls of the house, the rooms were full, people were looking in at the windows, they were spilling out the door because they came to hear a word from Jesus. While the men realized there was no way that they could penetrate the crowd, those houses were built out of clay and, and straw. And in many instances, they had a rooftop sitting area or a garden up there with an external stairs that went up the outside. And so they carried their friend up the stairs and got out in the middle of that roof where they knew Jesus was teaching below. And the Bible says they began to tear up the roof. I can imagine that they didn't have any tools. Their hands were full carrying their friend. So with fingernails and fingers like claws, they began to claw away at that roof, maybe stomping it with their sandals, getting it loosened up enough to where they could begin to peel back that roof. And surely they were hearing cat calls from below because that fact would be falling down on the people underneath. I'm confident. And they pulled it back until they got a hole large enough to lower their friend into the presence of Jesus. I want you to think about that for a minute. The extent to which these guys went in order to bring their friend into the presence of Jesus. 
so that he might be healed. Are you a friend like that? We've all got lost friends, haven't we? People that aren't going to anybody's church today. How much trouble have you gone to in order to get your friend to Jesus? I mean, if they are your friend, don't you think it's worth a little effort? Get your friend to Jesus? It's interesting how they didn't count the cost. I, the roof had to be repaired. You know it did. Something that I went through two years ago and a very <coughs> in-depth experience in my own, my own personal life. But I never shared that. And I had the opportunity to do so. Not only to talk about the importance of the dignity, but to talk about what it really means. And oftentimes confused, but the role of the deacon really is about spiritual leadership and service. And I think that the challenge that our pastor has given us to go through this 30 days of prayer, as well as uh, the encouragement to come to the weekend, the family ministry weekend, I think it can make a big difference in our family life. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.